Hey everyone, Jacob from Team Gary here, and before we dive into today's podcast, we wanted to share with you Gary's thought of the day. Make sure you tweet him, let him know what you thought. The link is in the description. Enjoy the podcast. One of the most interesting parts of having a practical and optimistic, non-cynical and negative point of view is how long your dwell time. Oh wait. Good, very good. How, how long your dwell time and anxious time is on issues. I'm practical and, and very optimistic and very positive, but I'm a human being and I struggle with things every day. The difference is when your macro perspective isn't hope and love and good and warm versus the reverse, grounded in security versus insecurity and worrying about judgment, what ends up happening is the shit that hits the fan for me every day, which is a lot given what I do, sometimes lasts six seconds, six minutes, six hours if it's a huge fucking issue. Um, how are you, my friend? Six days if it's a very big fucking issue. For a lot of people that are the reverse, they're sitting on a small issue for six years instead of six seconds. They're sitting on an issue for six months instead of six minutes. It's... There's nobody who's positive and happy and carefree and not anxious every second of the day. What it is is how long it sits as an anxious or negative situation. There's people in my family and my organizations that sit on shit, on grudges, on being upset about something for literally for six months that when it comes through my desk or others I see is a six second issue. There's a lot to this. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Gary, it's been three years since I've seen you, man. It's been way too long. It's nice to be back. It's nice to be back, man. We're always back here. This is like, I think the third time I've interviewed you in this room. And it's just, it's always awesome when I hear from you when we're in touch, man. So I'm hoping that we can kick that off again. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I want to start off, I have to ask you, I've got a ton of questions. I know we've got limited amount of time. I want to start off asking, how's VCon? I was watching it, it looked amazing. I was following everything online. It was great, we um, were really happy with it. I've been telling a lot of my friends and family, like, you know, I really held back a lot. Meaning, it was since it was the first time, I didn't know what I was getting into. So it went super well, um, which has me crazy excited for the next one. It was educational, it was about community. Um, it felt right, and now I think I can build off of that base. I, I like context a lot. And so I needed to contextualize throwing an event of that size. Now that I've calibrated, I think about it like a, like a fighter. The first round, they wanna feel each other out. You wanna take that first punch. Can you take the guy or gal's power? Um, now that we've done that, I feel like I can be even more ambitious with the next one. So it was, it was really good. Nice, man. Yeah, the people I know that went as, not as speakers, but as visitors, they had a great time. I'm glad. So yeah, yeah just been, so you know, That's like, been the universal take, yeah, which yeah. is for a first year event at that size, I'll take it. Your team posted this beautiful video. It was literally yesterday and I was just, I was scrolling through and it's this video of a moment between you and your dad. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, to hear that from your dad, I'm going to read it out. He said, you don't even realize what you did on that stage. You completely changed my brain. And, and then he said, you're really special. And like, we've seen moments with you and your dad on social a ton before, obviously. Yep. What was different about that moment? And, and what was he referring? What did you sideline what, afterwards? Yeah, about what what's, that was about? what's challenging for me is like you know, 
look, my dad's a very popular figure. I do a good job making him popular. <laughs> he, he's the best. But my dad and I are very different. My dad grew up with a very different mom than I did. My dad grew up in a very different place. The USSR is not an optimistic place. You know, a lot of Americans and a lot of people listening around the world don't know this. The USSR was a jail. It wasn't only that it was a difficult country. We have difficult countries around the world. You couldn't leave. That's called jail. And so, you know, he grew up in a very different place. That manifested in my father looking at his employees very differently than I do. Looking at the world differently. And um, we had some very serious conversations in the last 96 hours because I made this connection point. I'm not gonna put it out there yet. I, I think that's for him to put out there if he wants to. But my last book, 12 and a half, Ingredients. What I realized when I wrote it was, oh, it's not just empathy. Oh, it's not just ambition. Like we're the makeup of like these three combos, these four combos. In this situation, these two combos. And what I think happened is there was one ingredient that my dad wasn't using in combination that if he starts using the way he has been the last two, three days, A, everybody around him is gonna be happier, but for me selfishly, he's gonna be happier. And it, um, I'm really glad that moment's connected. My dad's had stop and starts of like optimistic points of view in the past. We all have. I've had stops and starts with candor. Let me make it about myself. I've had, I'm um, finally over the hump in the last three, four years. Um, but uh, it was a special moment and like I'm incredibly emotional about it because it could be a really big impact. It was really beautiful to see, man. Thank you, brother. And, and I loved how your response was like, Dad, you should have come earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and look, it's fun to do this with you because you're also one of the human beings on earth that communicates in a way that helps people. It's a very heavy feeling to know that you can say something and can change someone's life. You know, I think it's intoxicating. I think it's why a lot of therapists love their job. I think it's why a lot of people that are into meditation, I think it's why teachers love their job. I think it's why a lot of parents. My mom had real, real sadness, empty nest when AJ left. She was a Hall of Fame mother. When he left, she didn't get to play her game. You know, like, so I think for many of us around the world, we do it publicly, but a lot of people do it privately or in small microclimates. There's nothing like saying something that provides someone else value. When that person ends up being some of the people you love the most, that goes to a different planet. Yeah, no, it's really special. And uh, I think what you just said there, it accord with me because I think we always want the answer to be like, well, should I be this or should I be that? Right, you're talking about the opposites. And it's like, should I be affectionate or should I be assertive? And it's like, be it's affectionately assertive. It's yeah. always and. Yeah, Something exactly. I've been really tapping into is and versus or. Yeah. I feel like I'm very affected because of our political temperature the last decade. You know, purple. America has been really told in many different ways and it's a left and right issue. Yeah. This is not picking on any one party. It's just the climate, it's the popular culture. I'm watching my friends and acquaintances and business associates change their opinion on issues because they feel they have to be 100% red or 100% blue. It's, it's incredibly devastating to me. I know where they stand. I'm watching them change their mind because they're treating it as a tribe and the answer is purple. Yeah. And so purple and versus or, this is a lot of the work I'm working on within myself, through my content, affecting my team, um, and then you know, you know, family, team, employees, the world, you know, I'm spending a lot of time on it. And that's why that book was so fun for me. Because, you know, 
I'm an enigma, I confuse people, I'm a contradiction. People struggle with it and I see it as the strength. It is the and that makes me work. Like I want to build the biggest companies of all time, yet I haven't come across a lot of people who really genuinely, naturally, DNA, I'm not special, luck of the draw, really want everyone else to win. Like I'm really about that life. I love that you just said that because I had a really dear friend who I respect, who's, who we both know is who's, who's very accomplished in their own world. He said to me recently, he said to me, Jade, the reason why I love having conversations with you is because I can have a spiritual conversation, we can then switch to strategy, and then we can talk about content. And he's like, I appreciate that you're one person that we can go there. And I was, and that gave me permission to be that. Because by the way, I'm the same paradox. People are like, well, you used to be a monk, but now you do media and you manage companies and people can't not always figure that out. Like, but I am all of them and I'm okay with that. And I'd rather be all of them than have to choose one. A hundred percent. And and a lot of people don't like juggling six balls. And I think that's awesome. I think life needs to be talked way more around self-awareness yes, and yeah. self-love. Like, I can't pick one thing. Gary, so many of my friends, well-intended, most accomplished people on earth. Gary, if you ever decided to pick one thing and focus, you would. <laughs> and I'm like, I would die. Yeah. You think, because you did and it works for you, that's awesome. And that's why when I make content, I say it with such passion and conviction. I'm always trying to use longer format platforms like this to take a step back and create some clarity. I'm asking people to do the things on their terms as passionately and all in as I am. I'll talk about tactics. Yes, TikTok is an arbitrage attention machine right now. Yes, I believe you should post three, four times a day. But you don't have to. Yeah, and yeah. more importantly, if you dislike posting on TikTok the way I dislike reading, then you should do it never. Yes. And that's the part that people, they want everything so black and white when everything, everything is gray. Absolutely. I'm always trying to share my conviction Talk about the ease of leaning into oneself, but remind people, don't be me. I have high energy. I have, I have levels of charisma that aren't trained. Like mommy and daddy made love at the right second and I was born with certain things. It's the same reason that I've struggled with candor. Do you know how many five minute meetings I have that are such a waste of time because they could have been an 18 second reading of an email, but I can't do it. And, and, and I just, I was a DNF student because even as a child, I had some sort of subconscious force that just wasn't interested in not being me. Mm. You know? Yeah. I can, and I just I want that for more people. Like, and, th and then that goes into a framework that I get very passionate about. My favorite thing about walking around Earth is how visceral I am against judging people. Mm. In an era that judgment of others has become the most popular pastime. Mm -hmm. But it starts with me not judging myself. I have standards. I have morals, but I don't beat myself up. And as you know, because I'm sure you're on the receiving end of different, but many of the same messages that I get. Oh, of course. People are just so good at beating themselves up. And I'm like, why? Like, everybody else sucks too. Like, great, so you're not good at this, or you missed the, your kid's baseball game, and you, you're not a bad parent. When you're, we need, you know, another thing, Jay, that I'm very passionate about, intent needs to have a seat at the table. We've eliminated the ability to try to figure out one's intent. Mm -hmm. You suck because of this. Do you know why they got there? Totally. Do you know how this happened? Like we've just eliminated intent. So these yeah. are all the feelings I think through, but you know, like I um, I definitely like doing a lot of things. Yeah. 
And I, and I love what you're saying because we'd rather project that label of judgment onto someone because then we don't have to do the work to figure out how they got there. Yeah, I mean, right? envy and jealousy yeah. are incredibly powerful traits. I tend not to, a lot of my friends throw it out about me, about themselves. I actually never go there. It's very real. I'm just trying to figure out the solve. Yes. Which is like big things like, can we reframe success? Can we create clarification? For example, with me, I've spent the last five years trying to really explain why I want to buy the New York Jets. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a fun game. Mm -hmm. Not like I need the New York, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, I almost, I totally get I'm that in a weird saying. place yeah, now yeah. where I kind of want like Karen Thompson to buy the Jets <laughs> and be the biggest person. Like, good job, Karen, you did it. Like, yeah, yeah. I'd want to try to buy the Jets. Yeah. I don't need the Jets. I want to try to build big companies. It's fun. Yeah process over the trophies. I don't need the trophies to close gaps of insecurity. Yeah. And so like redefining success, that was that talk right after Beacon a couple days ago in Vegas. Lady said, you know, and she was so damn happy. And she's like, but I'm not, you know, making the dollars like everybody in this room like, are you happy? She's like, really happy. I'm like, you're the winner of the room. <laughs> yeah. We have to redefine success. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not against money, I'm an entrepreneur. I was born in the USSR and grew up in America. I'm, I'm like very pro anything in balance. Capitalism in balance excites me to no end. It's around merit. But we need to teach all of ourselves the simplicity of like, what, how, like redefining success. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the fascinating thing about self-awareness, going back to your earlier point, that I found that envy and jealousy when you don't have self-awareness, you're envious and jealous of everyone. Correct. When you have self-awareness, it at least limits your envy and jealousy to what you do, and then you can actually do something with it and do something about it. And so self-awareness actually gets you halfway there in the battle against jealousy and envy. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it brings you better relationships. When a human is tone deaf of like how people are affected by them, they're in a very, very vulnerable spot. Um, self-awareness is very attractive and something that I, I hope society keeps pounding on. I believe that you're someone who has a even better private life than you do public life. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously listen, I've gone, uh, you know, through my personal things like anybody else, but you know what, you know how I would answer that? I'm wildly content and at peace. And I don't think that would make sense to most people that consume me because I'm so frantic as a communicator. I'm such high energy. I think the thing I always enjoy when people get close to me and I'm looking at Dustin and Seth behind is like, there's incredible levels of confusion on the calmness and like the ability to absorb, you know, bad situations. And that has so much to do with personal life, right? Like friends and family, I feel really good about it. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the lack of expectation I have of others. Doesn't mean I don't require like any human being, but like I'm incredibly compassionate, not just empathetic. And I think when you combine compassion and empathy, you get into a really zenny, fun place. I find that, you know, I've been really thinking this through. I'm like, oh, those two, because not only can I feel you, but when you come with something that isn't great, I'm going quickly to, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Versus this hurts me. Mm -hmm. And so that gives me a very good personal life. Yeah. I Again, trials and tribulations like any human on life from different various things, especially candor. 
I would tell you that everything that I've had challenges with in my life, professionally and personally, has been because I'm non-confrontational, which again, blows people away. Because mm-hmm. on stage, I'm incredible at it. Yeah. Because I'm talking to the world. When I'm talking to the world, I can't see your name or your face. And so I can just have really good observations to incredibly clean data because very few people on earth read the comments from human beings at the level that I do. It's what I do for a living. Yeah, yeah. So I have crazy insights. Uh, one that really caught me was how many wealthy kids were upset with their parents for paying things but didn't want to give up on yes. their parents. That oh one really gosh. triggered yeah. me four or five years ago because I didn't grow up in that environment. I was like, oh, this is a wild one. This is a very unhappy 25-year-old with a Tesla, a sick apartment in LA, an unlimited Uber, Equinox, but they re- but the subconscious is starting to take over and they realize their parents think they're losers. That's why they're paying for everything. And it becomes, you know, breaking those yeah, things down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think I am very happy because I'm very simple. Mm-hmm. I'm way simpler in business and content than people realize. I'm very simple in life. I don't really want stuff. I like playing. Mm-hmm. I like playing. Mm-hmm. You know, I like competition. That's something I'm passionate about. I've been thinking a lot about competition. You know, I'm thinking about why is there so much anxiety in the system? Of course, um, social media pipes, I, I don't blame social the way people do. I just think that yeah, people yeah. are being exposed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm was, with you on yeah, that. Yeah, this yeah, was yeah. this was happening at dinner tables. Yes. And or so like, school, that's school, right. Yeah. yeah, like, so like, yeah. so I think people wanna blame platforms. This is about a human thing. And I think every country is different, every religion is different, race, gender's a lot going on, but, I really think that there's a lot of fun little pieces put together that got us to certain places. I think eliminating merit and demonizing competition has been a misstep. I, I think it came from great intent. I think parents didn't want kids crying, they didn't want them to feel bad. But we started training that 18th place is the same as first place. Yeah, yeah. Eliminating merit is not a happy place. Yeah. It leads to a very unhappy place. Yeah. And so, you know, it's funny the things that get me going. Ambition and competition, I'm in. Feels very red. Kindness over anything else, including those two things, very blue, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. because it's purple. Yeah. And that's where my soul is right now yeah. for the world because I think so much of what I am and what, be, what I became was my mom and my DNA and my circumstance filled all the gaps along the way, I walked into high school, four foot 11, four foot 11, confident. Yeah. Not because I thought I would get the cheerleader or it was gonna be the most popular because I had zero interest in that validation. Yeah. Not that I thought I was better. Not that I thought I was better. I didn't think these, you know, these popular, like, I just wanted to be nice to everybody. I wanted to do my baseball card shows. I wanted to get my D's and F's on my way to going to the wine business. I wanted everybody to be happy. And it really hasn't stopped. The Buddha thousands of years ago called it the middle path, right? The idea that we're trying to go, is it left or is it right? Is it this or that? And it's like, no, it's the middle path. And what you were just saying around eliminating merit, I think one of the bigger challenges is trying to eliminate pain early on in life. 100%. Because you just become fragile. Correct. And it's fascinating to me how much we don't realize that fragility is being spread by limiting. I was beaten up every day at school, yeah. at primary school, every single day. Cause I was the only Indian kid at school. I was the only overweight kid in school. Yeah. And so I got beaten up every single day. My, and it was just what I went through and same, same as you similarly, funnily enough, and we never talked about this, but 
people are always like, did that affect you? I'm like, no, not really, because I wasn't looking for love from that person. Correct. Because even then I knew that that person had more pain in their life yeah. than me. They grew up on the council estate. Yeah. yeah. They, they had a, their parents had a broken marriage. They yeah. had so much more context, yeah. even at that age, that I could go home to my mom and dad. Right? I, think, so. I think it's real. I think kids not going outside, like parents are too involved. I get it. Again, best intent, best intent. But I believe in it. Yeah. I believe that we have demonized losing when losing is the best. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was school was telling me I was gonna be a failure. So you have grownups left and right, friends, parents, and yeah. teachers. You will be a garbage man. I mean, the favorite thing back in the 80s, you're gonna be a garbage man. Big shout out to the garbage yeah, men exactly, and women, first yeah. of all. But that was the cliche thing in 84 mm -hmm. to 87. Like, I can't wait to be, like, I'm gonna be garbage. Like, they, like, they just really, it was only college, it was only grades. So that, and then I competed 24 seven. I was always competing. And when you compete all the time, you're losing a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I cried. I cried from six to 12 every time I lost in anything. Video games, checkers, Uno, football, because I hated the feeling, but the, the, the layers of skin that I have, you know, and that makes sense to me about you. You can't be out there at the level we're out there if you don't have that stomach, you won't do it. You won't put yourself, we all now can. Everybody can put themselves out there. People won't do it if they don't have that layer of skin. And I, you know, I, I agree with you. Like, and it's a tough challenge, but we have to get kids to like get comfortable with losing. Yeah, get comfortable with discomfort, even if they're not losing yet, just getting comfortable with discomfort. And we've really gone the other way, especially if there's money. If the family has a couple bucks, it's been completely eliminated. Yeah, yeah. Parents are going to school fighting for their kids. Like my kids should have got an eight. Like we're doing too much. And then they're 22 and they have to live life. Hmm. And they go into the workplace and they're like, I should be the VP of this company, Gary. I'm like, you've been here four weeks. Yeah. I'm like, start your own company. Have you found have you found clever ways with, with your daughter to be able to do things like that? Like have you found Yes, I'm hacking what, all the how, time how with my you, two kids. Yeah, how do like, you encourage losing? Competition. How do you do that with kids? Give me a, because beat I'm them. not a parent yet. Beat them. Oh. Beat them and everything. My dad used to do that to me. I, remember, I wish yeah. AJ was here. Like yeah, AJ, yeah, yeah. my mom used to get so mad at me because we were siblings, not it's your child, and I'm 11 years older, so we're playing one-on-one -on -one basketball. I'm 18, he's seven, and I am beating him for a couple of reasons. One, I believed it. Two, I didn't want to lose. Three, I always knew when it happened. I'm like, one day he's gonna be 17, and I'm gonna be you know 28, and he's gonna beat me. He's gonna be, and, and you know, like I needed to get my wins on the board yeah. because, <laughs> yeah, I think beating them. I think talking about adversity, explaining, non-conformant, mm. leaning in, you know, and so that's how. Yeah, I like that. My, my dad was like that. It was really interesting because I think men and women react differently to that. But as a guy, like my dad was like that. He would never pass, he would, he would get in front of an open goal, soccer I'm talking about, yeah. get in front of an open goal. He could pass to me for his son to score and he'd go and score. We'd be playing father and son yeah, for soccer. And, and honestly, you know, I've been thinking a lot because I'm so soft skilled. Yeah. There's so many moms I know that were like, we'll never let, the, like the dad is, I, I'm thinking about one couple right now where it's like, I just think it's a DNA trait, yeah. it's a culture trait, but I think competition and losing and adversity need to be championed zero to 12 yeah, yeah. when they've been completely taken out of the equation. Yeah. And I believe the entitlement and the pain is a direct correlation. I really do. Yeah. I really do. What I got out of that was that it helped me become my own man because 100%. I didn't have my dad passing 100%. me the ball. I didn't have my dad passing it on. And so for me, it gave me no framework to have to I, force myself I took myself that to into. the extreme. By the time I was 18 or 19, I was, I mean, this is 
really, I think my dad's about to start consuming my content, so I'm gonna be very, <laughs> I'm gonna tread lightly here, but dad, if you're listening, at 18 or 19, I became equally as important to the business. And by 22, I was much more important in the business. And so like, I took it to the extreme, right? Like, you know, the responsibility, the, the putting it on your own two feet, like, we need a lot more of that. Yeah. No parent is doing their kid a favor by putting training wheels on their life. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Gary, I'm asking this with love, and you know, for me, this was a big thing. I, I think it was like, I think I'd been making content for two years before I introduced my community to my wife. Yes. And everyone was like, Jay, you're married? Like people had no yes. idea because I just didn't talk about yes. her because we just got married. We'd been together for a few years before that. I was like, I need to be careful about of course. what we're gonna say, where this is going, how this feels. You've recently been more open about your relationship. Yes. We don't have to go there. This is You're totally, being very kind and I appreciate it. Because I respect you. And I, I'm asking it from a place I am incredibly private, as you know, yeah, and, that's and the why. world knows. Because I'm going through a transition in my life, I felt like it got to a place where it was not sustainable for me to be 100% private. And so I've been a little more public. It is something that I'm desperately not interested in. Even the part we just talked about with my kids, like it's not somewhere yeah. I want to go. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to go... And I don't want to talk about my kids. Yeah. I don't want to talk about my personal. We can cut a little bit. No, no, I'm, yeah, I want you to keep okay, this. Okay, okay, and yeah. I'll tell you why. I want to remind people you're in control. Yeah. It's incredibly important and appropriate. And I appreciate, especially being very cordial for people to ask and things of that nature. But I want to remind people they're in control. Yeah. I want to provide value and put out things in my professional career. I'm incredibly private mm-hmm. and feel that. The world is entitled to what you give it. So when I watch people get upset when people get into their business, I'm like, you're giving them your business. By the way, you're leveraging your business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't want to leverage nor give my personal life to the world. I don't think that's the right way, by the way. I just think it's my way. Um, So the reason I have a little bit to what you're referring to is it became not sustainable because it's been a long time and like yeah. I was in a transit, like it just, it was the appropriate time yeah. and I needed to just get some context out there, but I'm, uh, it's not where I'm gonna go. Yeah, and that's what I was more interested by. Yeah. To me, it's not. Listen, us being together, my brain goes into maximize the value at the highest levels because we have the opportunity yeah. to for as many people are listening. The takeaway there from my perspective is you're in control. Yeah. You have a learning disability and you want to share it, mazel tov. You don't, great. It took me back to something less serious. It took me 15 years of public life to say I'm not candorous. And it's hurt me in my personal life and it's hurt me in my business life. You get to share what you want to share. And and I think people should be careful of what they share. You share your abs as a, like like you're a good shaped dude, people are gonna talk about your body for the rest of your life. Yeah. But you did that. Yeah. You're gonna show your kid all the time? They're gonna talk about that. Relationship, they're gonna talk. You're giving the world permission. Yeah. I prefer not to give the world permission because that's a sacred place for me. Yeah. You know, even look at my mom. She, like, the greatest gift I could give to the world is my mom to the world. The greatest. She's alpha me. She's more experienced. She's a different perspective as a mom. As a, she doesn't want it. The end, right? I thought my dad and mom would be reverse. 
my dad, I never thought would love the limelight so much. Um, but you know, so I think if you're listening right now, please, if you're not going on social media because you have a skeleton in your closet, you have a disease, you have a bad you know situation, you, uh, you're like me, and like grew up in a family where like personal life is private. That's, I think, you know, in Russia, that was like, people would go to jail if anybody knew anything about you. So I think it ingrained in my parents, which then ingrained in me and my sister and brother. Like, we're private that way. Um, you know, I think you have to understand you're in control. Mm. Facebook and TikTok and podcasts and YouTube don't make you do anything. Yeah. They don't make you do anything. I'm so glad you addressed that because I think there's, and this is why I brought it up, I think there's been a, mask of false vulnerability that's been encouraged because of social media. So people think that the more vulnerable or more open you sure. are, that shows authenticity. Yeah, I totally so disagree. Vulnerability. I, I love you for that. Right? You're going yeah. to a very smart place. Yeah. I would argue I see more lack of authenticity in the way that people are leveraging their family and personal life yeah. because they know it does well. Yeah. I don't want to go too deep because again, this is what's fun about being candorous in general, but I would never ever say this to a human being. There's people who are leveraging their children for brand deals. That's something worth thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like right now those kids aren't talking about that to you because they don't talk because they're four or because they're 16 and not ready to have that combo. But like, I think all of us have to think about things like that. Yeah, and I think for me as an observer of you, I always respect that and that's why I was so intrigued and, yeah, and I course. still respect, I, I'm I sure. still say respect, but it's because I went through that journey in my own head, yeah. even with my own wife that I'd of been course. together with and even what we share and where we it's, share. It's, like, it's you know, really intentional. Like to me, yeah. your family is the most sacred, like that's who's gonna be around you when you're dying. Yeah. Like, right? And so like you have to think three times before you start letting anything in, right? And by the way, the other thing is I don't want to make decisions for other people. Yeah. I was built to be unstoppable. You oh, know what I mean? So like true, like so when you true. you see where I'm going like so true. Yeah, opening yeah, I know exactly up going, for yeah. that judgment if that person it's hard enough yes. if you choose it. Yeah. Imagine someone else choosing it for you. Yes. And so like please everyone be thoughtful on this one. Yeah. And by the way, if you're listening right now and it's really hitting but you already opened up Kimono's box, it's never close it's never late to close totally. it. Totally. You can close that. Yeah. We evolve, we change. Yeah. I will make mistakes, I will change, I will evolve, I will do good things. Like we, we need a lot more civility and patience for each other. Yeah. If you've been sharing everything and you decide off of this podcast, which I'm sure there's five to 500 people that just decided right now, then you just stop. And when people ask, where's Johnny, your boyfriend? Cause like you, you can answer it, you don't have to answer it, but like you're in control. People have to understand they're in control. Accountability, you know, V Friends is my, is the scaled version of me. Mm -hmm. You know, V Friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, this is actually something I should talk to you about I'd offline. You should really debate this. Yeah. The building intellectual property to scale one's message is very powerful. That's what me and Ryan were just talking about, so I'd love to, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like I met this woman, she's in her late 60s, early 70s, somebody introduced me to her, I wanna, I'm looking to potentially hire her to be a storyteller and be friends. She worked for Jim Henson. Wow. We're just getting to know each other, but like, the brief for Fraggle Rock, the brief for the entire show was Stop War. And it was like the most profound, out of all these 16 months, that's been the pro most profound moment so far of my journey of be friends. Because be friends is, to make people happier. 
But I think happiness comes in a lot of forms. Not demonizing competition. Uh, my favorite character I want to develop is accountable ant. Jay, I think the lack of accountability is leading to so much unhappiness. Mm-hmm. Like life is so much better when you're like, this was my fault. Yeah, absolutely. You're in control. Yeah. And so like, you know, this was like a wrap up to control. You're in control. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you decide what you consume. You decide what you believe. You decide who you surround yourself with. You decide what you put out. Take on accountability. Yeah. Everybody wants to blame right now. Yeah, the yeah. algorithm. They're acting as the algorithms are like hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And I understand endorphin hits and all that, but like you can delete the app. Mm-hmm. You can. Like where's accountability in this? And it's a tough truth, right? It's a, it's a tough. It's a tough truth. It's a tough truth. Especially yeah. when you're unhappy. Yeah, yeah. That goes back to why it's important. Mm-hmm. It's like the chicken and egg. It's like working out. Like, I got into better shape the last eight years. Nothing comes less natural to me. <laughs> yeah, tell me Nothing that. comes uh, less relate, natural to me. I can me, relate to you. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But like, I was like, I just would like to live longer. Yes. I would just like to live longer. Yeah. And go figure. It's not apple cider gummies. It's not steroids. It's not implants. I've thought about it. I'm like, can I get chest implants? I put in a lot of work. I feel like I have like, Seth's good. Like, yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. I've done more than <laughs> Seth, but like my body type, like, you know, and I'm like, I probably haven't, yeah. but, uh, but, but no, it's like eat well, go in the gym, yeah, yeah, do yeah. the right things. And so same for life, you know, whether it's meditation, whether it's exercise, Whatever. whether it's therapy, whether it's good conversations, whether it's surrounding, you know, you know, Back to us not having the serendipity. You know, we've had some meals, we've had some interactions. They're always like, they're nice. We need it's, more. I would like that. Yeah, I'd and like we'll that build too. on that. I think yeah. you know, I, I'm spending more time thinking about spending more time with more while doubling down on core. You know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, because I've been, I did a really good job in the last ten years of doubling down on core, but but I think being as busy and I love what I do. You know, I, I really do want to build out a more of a friend network. More, I want to take more people from lightweight acquaintance to solid acquaintance. I want to take people from acquaintance to friend, from friend to best friend. And so I'm on a journey like everybody else, but I think that, um, I, God, I think, believe it or not, and this is gonna sound so crazy for so many, the world actually has so much potential for everybody listening to be the best time to be alive. Medicine and technology and there's so much but we're caught right now it's like a hamster wheel we're in the momentum of focusing on you know the bad yeah and there's there's always bad yeah the the holocaust was bad genocide is always going on genghis khan was not a fun time to be a human yeah like you know like we we are very bad at history i was a really bad student but i did well in history (laughs) like but that starts with you what are you gonna do about it because right now everyone's like pointing and feels like it's on someone else. Yeah. It starts with ourselves. I mean, when you said that and you brought up the Holocaust, I recently read Edith Eager's book, The Gift. She lived through the Holocaust. And she had that mindset in the Holocaust. So she said the only way she got through it is she realized that she wasn't a prisoner, that the only prisoners were the guards because they were mm. prisoners of their own conscience. Unbelievable. That was her mindset. She's right. And it's And, you know, she's like over 90 now or even older and it's like, it's just phenomenal that her, Victor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, these two phenomenal books, if anyone hasn't read them, like they had that in that scenario. Well, that's the point I always make to everybody. Like, you know, the only thing that works for me is trying to contextualize moments in time. Yeah. And like, you know, our great, great, great grandparents had it rough. 
yeah. by comparison to the way we have it. And sure, they had some things that were better on simplicity, but we must choose optimism because what's the alternative? Yeah. Pessimism? Like are you just gonna decide? Because once you decide, where are you? Once you decide it's bad, it's actually bad. And so like one of the things that makes me very passionate to communicate is practical optimism or the fact that I believe negativity is much better at marketing than positivity. Oh, for sure. I feel a huge sense of responsibility. What has become, out of all the things you've pursued, because I'm guessing at different stages in your life, and anyone who hasn't heard, I've interviewed Gary twice before, so you can go back and listen to those. You've pursued different things at yes. different times. And every time I meet you, it's a really, what I love about it is that you just, there's so much growth and acceptance and embracing of this new you. Every time we talk, I feel like I'm talking to a even more self-aware human, which is a really fun feeling when you're checking in with someone in this way. And so I go, what, what have you found currently to be the most worthy pursuit? Like what, what is it that you're pursuing that you've found worthy of it's, pursuit? It's always been the same thing for me. It's almost as if I'm living two separate lives. The most worthy pursuit is I'm wildly gifted at helping other people. And I'm incredibly comfortable of also being okay with feeding myself around my own interests. Mm -hmm. The most worthwhile pursuit, my friends, I think this is gonna land with you, is the continuous balance beam that I walk on that is called equal parts selfish and equal parts selfless and refining that skill set. And I think in the three times, if I may, off of your analogy, I think the beam is getting thinner and I'm still walking it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, Maybe the yeah, first yeah. time we met it was like an Olympic beam yeah, or yeah. a high school beam. Maybe the second time was, you know, my hope is that as I continue to go, I'll be on a tightrope across Manhattan and walk it easily because me playing my game of entrepreneurship gives me so much energy that I'm able to deploy it in a positive manner at scale. And I find it fascinating. And so that is what I continue to go after. I love that. Gary, 40 minutes with you feels like an hour and two hours with someone else. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. You're the best. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it.